I got a girl with a mind on love The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up Hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. Today I have two, two special guests, uh, Tyler Fern and Long Lost Hedrin is finally back on the podcast um, talking about all the stuff that's going on in the soccer world um, with the English Premier League and we had Champions League games that started uh, this past week. Unfortunately for my Liverpool team, they ended up losing to Napoli. Sad life, Fernando Llorente, sighting from him. So that's kind of an interesting talking point that we'll touch upon later on in the podcast. But guys, welcome on to the pod. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> it's been a while. It's, it's really been a while, yeah. We'll uh, get the rhythm. We'll get the rhythm going. Yeah, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, like, last time I was on, I think it was, like, what, like, 10 episodes ago. So, it's it's really been a while for me. Uh, I'm just excited to talk about soccer again with you guys. And, um, yeah, hopefully hopefully this will be a good talk. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is your first uh, podcast of the Premier League season. Like, I haven't had you on this season. So, oh, that's right. it's, good yeah. to, it's good to have you on. Good to get your, your hot takes about Man U. And all that. So I guess what what a what other way to start the podcast besides talking about Manchester United with two Man U fans on the podcast? I don't know what you guys want to talk about in terms of Man U, other than started off really strong to start the season, and we kind of talked about this, Tyler, when I had you on last time, but it's. It's really interesting to me how the course of the season has played itself out, and now Manu's going through this injury spell um, in the season where they're missing a ton of guys. Luke Shaw is out. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys. Daniel James, I've heard, is probably going to be a scratch for the uh, for tomorrow uh, during the Europa League or um, during during the week um, during the weekend, and then there's also. Um, Anthony Martial, who's been out as well. So, what are you guys' thoughts, Hedjun? Why don't we start off with you? What are What are your thoughts on how Man U played so far this season and the injury concerns? Well, let's let's begin by saying it's. I feel like the team is still trying to figure itself out. Um, we did get rid of a lot of players, which was a problem of mine. Like last season, right? We just had way too many players just like taking up a lot of the, the I guess the budget. And the good news is there's a lot of young guys. Probably the youngest uh youngest people like guys uh on the Premier League right now. So it's bound to be it's bound to have ups and downs. Um but I'm just excited to see like Starting attacking football again, uh, which we saw, uh, you know, in the first in Chelsea game, uh, we didn't have that many possession, but we did like counterattack really well. I felt like, and I'm patient. I'm not a. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not worried. Uh, it's it's gonna like like I said. I'm. I think we're gonna win the league in a couple of years. So. 
That's my hot take. So, Tyler, what are your thoughts on maybe the more recent injury spell that's kind of hit Man U and the injury bug that's hit Man U um, especially hard? And they're kind of starting um, – uh, they're kind of struggling on in the, back, in the back in terms of figuring out who to play, uh, fill in that left-back role. It seems like Ashley Young is kind of taking that role. And there was an injury doubt with Aaron Wambasaka. Uh, last week, he ended up starting and playing in the win over Leicester. But there were questions about, you know, who would play that right back role as well uh, to back up Juan Basaka. So what are your thoughts overall in terms of maybe the lineup and all the possible changes? I think we saw Andres uh, Pereira get a start in uh, against Leicester as well. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so one thing I liked from Hedgin's response was patience, and I'm very much that way as well when it comes to um, United. Um, but we are looking at some some real injury problems, which is um, always a terrible blow after only five games of the season to start struggling with this already. Um, it's never a good sign, but... Um, some other ones I wanted to touch on. Pogba's obviously been questionable. He was out with injury. I don't know if he's going to be back in time this weekend. Um, and then in terms of like the defense, Diego Dallo also injured behind Aaron Wambasaka. So we're really thin on fullbacks right now. Um, so Young, as club captain, has you know stepped up, and I think he's. He's an okay temporary fix, but you'd really like to see um, some of the starters get back to full fitness. Um, another thing is that, as Hedging said, we were going with the youth. I think it was the first um, first game week in the Premier League. We had like the youngest um, squad age of any team in the Premier League, which was really promising. Um, but that being said, as these injuries have been creeping in, we've also been having – ask the older guys like Young, Matic, uh, Mata um, to step up and to fill fill that role as well. Um, so we've kind of got this hybrid lineup with some of the new guys um, and some of the older guys. So I think if we play that right, it actually could be beneficial um, with a little bit of experience and then the, the counterattack speed, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I don't think it's crisis mode yet, but it's definitely making things a little bit more difficult. Yeah, and I was actually kind of surprised to hear that there's agreement between you guys as Man U fans because we didn't hear much of that agreement last year, especially with all the turmoil regarding Paul Pogba and um, Mar- Jose Mourinho. So it seems like you guys are a little bit more on the same page this year, uh, re- kind of preaching the idea of patience. Uh, especially with this young man youth squad, which is definitely something that I would see in maybe this maybe in this team um, where going forward they like Hedrin says have a title shot maybe within two to three years or so, um, and I think that would be realistic. You see someone like Daniel James kind of have a really good start to the to the year um putting in goals maybe not con- being super consistent over the 90 minutes but he when the time is right when the moment is there he's 
able to take advantage of those um, those key moments in games. So that that's kind of what I've been impressed with with him. And they were able to get a really key win against Leicester City, who had a really good start to the year. Um, and to get a one nothing victory over Leicester, especially with all the injury troubles, I was extremely impressed by. Uh, let me just add something though, like the injury styles. I think it's like BS, right? Because we we do have the depth uh, compared to say someone like Norwich. I, I know we're gonna be talking about that in a little bit, but um, <laughs> like that, I don't think can be an excuse. And I don't think Boscar, uh, like when he did his uh, post game briefing, like he didn't get any excuse about that. So. Um, yeah, I just want to add that little tidbit there. Yeah, I mean, you guys do definitely have the depth, but you kind of see, like, the subs that ended up coming into the game um, to to help them during the Leicester City game. Like, to Heath Chong coming in in, on, in the 70th minute, like, that's not a, a sub that you probably expect this early on in the season in a pretty key pivotal uh, Premier League game against uh, top six teams right now um you know like mason greenwood's been consistently coming off the bench uh on gomez another young kid that's coming off the be- or that's that made the 18 uh this weekend so i i do tend to agree that uh man use more well equipped uh to deal with some of the injury problems but to kind of throw some of these guys into the fire is pretty um pretty surprising to me at least I don't know if you had any thoughts on it Tyler yeah I mean I think it makes sense from Solskjaer's philosophy um to rely on the youth and give them a chance um and so far it's working out fine um another key difference that I could pull um is the post-match reaction um I feel like under Mourinho, he would have been like, yeah, this was a great game. This is exactly what we wanted, a 1-0 squeezed victory. Um, But Solskjaer came out and said, you know, we didn't play well this game. Like, this this isn't how we (laughs) set up to win games. Um, But it's nice to see that we did hold on and we can get a result like that, but also that that's not what he's going for, that we want to see some more goals in us um, and some more clinical finishing than that. Yeah, and it it was a penalty at that, so it was yeah, right, like not a not an open play goal, which exactly. I would love to see more of. Uh, a lot of our goals this season so far has come from like penalties, uh, and a lot of like missed opportunities from penalties as well, right? So I just want to see a little bit more excitement, like we did in my Chelsea game. Yeah, yeah. I want to see some more shots. Just like keep shooting, lads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that's probably the one, and maybe maybe it was, and me and Tyler ended up talking about this earlier on uh, the season, probably right at, I think it was after the second week of the season, where maybe we're trying to analyze, was it like fool's gold, or was it a little bit of a both where Man U kind of looked better in that result, whereas Chelsea kind of got a little bit unlucky with the result. Um, and it, there was a little bit of both, but I think that kind of just plays and shows to shows the potential of what man you can do when everything is clicking together. And I think that's probably one of the most 
um, exciting things to look for um, as hopefully Man U gets the full strength and can kind of produce results like that and really impose their will on teams um, offensively. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, the penalty drama was another thing we touched on. I feel like maybe Rashford putting that away will help put that to bed. Um, <laughs> and hopefully he's just a designated taker. I mean, I know Pogba wasn't on the field, so we can't really be sure about that. But um, I don't know. I think that was just sort of some early season uh, jitters, I hope. So uh, hopefully no more of that funny business. <laughs> Right. So it seems like overall positive vibes from both of you guys as Man U fans. Um, so why don't we move on? And I think let's talk about the shock result of the past weekend. And we can't really, and Hedgen, you mentioned them uh, earlier on in the podcast. Surprise, surprise, Norwich City, like them coming up huge against Manchester mm-hmm. City and beating them 3-2. And They've really showed something over the past, I would say, four or five weeks of the season uh, to start the year. And, you know, I think fantasy darling Timu Puki has really uh, put this team, put his team on the back, on his back. And in terms of being able to put in goals, and I'm really impressed with the way Norwich has played and come out throughout this season in terms of we're going to play our style of football and we're not going to be too concerned about how the other teams um, are playing and really just play our brand of football. What were your guys' reactions uh, maybe hearing about the result? I know in the group chat, all of us were kind of just like, wow, like I can't believe that result ended up happening. So what were your general reactions to that? And what does that say about maybe Man City and the troubles that, they might have, and they've kind of run into some injury issues as well in the back, starting Fernandinho uh, today in in their Champions League match. So uh, what do you guys think it says about Norwich City? And then what do you guys think it says about Man City um, with that game? How about those Canaries? <laughs> I mean, it's so exciting. Who would have thought we would have been talking about them as basically the second team on our agenda five games into the season. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. I wouldn't have been thinking that, but you're right. They've been playing such an exciting brand of football. Um, they've only failed to score in one of their first five games, I think. And, um, and they've played good opposition, obviously with Chelsea, Liverpool and city. Um, so they've been really fun to watch and I hope they keep it up. The fact that they were able to do this with their injury crisis, I think they fielded two goalkeepers on their bench just to have a full squad I mean it's stuff that you hear about happening like back in the 50s or something you know like it's it's just it's crazy yeah I mean uh <laughs> we think we, we talk about like Pookie a lot and for sure he he seems like to be like the next like Harry Kane uh and like Jamie Vardy when when they first came out to the fantasy scene but like the overall, like, heart that the entire team has, like, that's what I'm really jealous of, right? Like, everyone working as a unit, uh, everybody knows their role, and just, like, willing to, uh, like, really 
that's what I really love seeing. Uh, and I hope, like, many new players learn something from that, right? Because that's something that we would like to see from, from, from like, our team. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was just kind of impressed, like, just watching that Man City game. And it, it was definitely a microcosm of what Norwich City City's season's been like so far in terms of them creating chances and being uh, proactive about them. You kind of saw in that third goal, um, being able to put pressure um, on that back line and be able to win the ball high up on the pitch and then that leading directly to the goal. It's, it's just like a really exciting brand of football that I think uh, Norwich City has really been able to play. And it's it's kind of exciting to see um, a team that's newly promoted really impose themselves, um, especially against the champions of last year. Well, I, I got to say one thing, though. Uh, Man City, they press really high up, as they always do, right? And... Uh, they really didn't seem to have like a plan B. Like once, once like, because you don't expect uh, teams to play like attacking football against Man City. And it feels like they just got caught off guard by all of that. And it's surprising to me how like Pep didn't have any answers after halftime. Uh, I mean, they did score two goals, right? Like they uh, tried to get back, but you know, it just seemed like, it didn't seem like Pep, it didn't seem like Man City. Like they're just like, kind of flailing uh, until, the, like, they scored the second goal and then Norwich kind of, like, started sitting back a lot. Um, so that's – it really reminds me of Leicester City, right, from what, what was it, like, was yeah. it 15? 2015 15, or 2016? 15. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, it really reminds me of Leicester City, and I wonder uh, how they're going to solve that problem once, you know, they – they figure out like North City and be like they they like teams kind of like sit back and absorb that pressure. Um, that's what I would love to see. Like if North City can get through that, plus um, like after after January, like how they're gonna fare against like squads that have a lot more depth. Yeah, and I yeah, think you, this right. Sorry, go ahead, Tyler. I was going to say, you, you've got to wonder how long they can keep this up um, with the amazing depth of all the other big contenders in the Premier League and even the you know mid-table teams. It's, it's going to be tough for them to keep up this level throughout a 38-game season um, over the course of all this uh, from you know, August to May. Um, but I just wanted to touch on really quick about what this meant for City. And I feel like this is, like, exactly the type of mistake or falter that Pep is known for avoiding. Um, and that this is really out of character for them. Um, the fact that he benched De Bruyne, um, I know certainly upset a lot of people fantasy-wise, but it God, also might have, oh. you know, shown some complacency maybe. Um, I'm sure he wants to be cautious with all the games they have in the schedule coming up. but. In the Premier League in this day and age, you just can't really take your foot off the pedal. Um, so, yeah, Kev, I know you're probably sitting pretty excited right now with, with the way that that result went down. Yeah, and I, I mean, for 
and I'll, I'll talk twofold and we, maybe we could kind of transition to Liverpool a little bit here is that Man City's defensive, I think, struggles has kind of been evident throughout the beginning of the season. They haven't been really caught yet other than, I mean, before this Norwich City game. But we kind of even saw that in the uh, Tottenham game where they ended up get, you know tying and there was like all that controversy um, about whether or not it was a goal, handball, all that type of stuff. But even getting more into the specifics about specific players, uh, Laporte seems like he, I think it, it's reported that he's out uh, till after Christmas, I believe. Um, yeah. John Stones is out as well. So they're only back down to one healthy center back in uh, Nicholas Otamendi. And who that center back, who's going to be that center back pairing? It looks like Fernandinho is going to be that guy, but they're both up there in age. And I think I, I was reading in some of the press clippings that uh, Pep needs to look for another center back to kind of rotate in there because he doesn't really expect both of those guys to play center back throughout um, the rest throughout the next couple months or so with stones and Laporte being out. And I really yeah. think they're, they're missing Laporte and the consistency that he provided um, being a, being that consistent starter in the middle of, of the, of the, of the uh, defense for them. And I wonder who that center back is going to be like that makeshift center back for an Indigo, Fernandinho is probably going to be that guy. Uh, Rodrigo probably going to be another guy. Uh, maybe even Gundogan. Gundogan is going to be another guy that could pro- possibly fill in. But those guys aren't people that you re- typically associate as being hard. I don't know, especially Gundogan if he gets placed in that center back position. I don't know what the the fit is there or the easy fix is there. Or if maybe they have like some center back in their in their youth system, which I'm not too aware of, um, or maybe even sliding Kyle Walker in at at center back as well to to kind of alleviate uh, 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 sorry to kind of alleviate all those problems. That could kind of maybe be another idea as well. But they have a lot of problems going on. Um, in the back and and I think it was an interesting point that you were talking about Tyler in terms of this is something I would have expected Liverpool to pull a couple years ago with with maybe Liverpool having having losses like this uncharacteristic losses but you know let's transition to Liverpool and have maybe talk about their their I mean the early signs are they're looking unstoppable in in the league um, maybe even with like the injury to Allison, they've looked pretty unbeatable in the league in terms of being able to put in a bunch of goals. Um, they've looked a little bit leaky in the back um, in terms of them not really having any clean sheets uh, throughout the year. They, I think it's just, I think, I believe it's just one clean sheet uh, for the year so far. Um, and that's, yeah probably a concern but with you know Allison being such a key component of their team I'm not that surprised that maybe one goal is let up and they have the offensive firepower 
to really um, to negate all that and stuff like that. But I mean, it's so early on in the season, it's really hard to like get super, super excited about Liverpool and the way they've looked so far because we've seen last year when they were leading by, um, I would, I think it was like six points, six to nine points or so during the Christmas, during the Christmas period, um, they're leading by that amount of points and they still gave up the lead and lost in the end. So it's really tough to get excited um, until maybe the halfway point in the season. But what are your guys' early impressions on Liverpool? No, I can, I can go first then. Uh, I mean, I feel like the clean sheet isn't as important to Liverpool right now. They, as long as they win, it doesn't really matter. Like their their goal differential is still really great, um, and especially with, like someone like Allison out, who can really like help build up from from the back. Um, and like, I mean, not to say like Adrian, uh, yeah, he like he isn't a back goalie, but I feel like he's lacking some of that like being able to like build that up from from the uh, from his hands. Um, and I don't feel like this like defense is that much of a problem for Liverpool. Um, my guess is like their philosophy is just we'll, we'll score more. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't really see any problems with it. Um, maybe other than like maybe like halfway through the season, like they start losing or tying one or two games and then like Man City starts creeping up again like last year um, when they were behind. Were they behind last year or was it a couple of years ago? I can't. It's all a uh, uh, jumble in my head but yeah like I don't think I don't think it's a, like a, something that they need to figure out right now. They just need to focus on winning. That's it. Yeah, I mean I'm Kind of surprised that they haven't lost points at all. They haven't drawn or lost um, even in the first five games, just because of the way that Kevin alluded to. There have been historically some slip-ups here and there. So, like you said, it's only been five games, so there's still a lot of time, and it's. I think it's almost a little early to start saying like, "Wow." Liverpool's not going to slip up ever <laughs> this season, and City's really behind. It is only five points, but at the same time, when the margin was so narrow last season, um, every single point does count. So um, the fact that you guys are still pulling out wins after losing Allison is huge um, because a lot of people, I feel like behind Van Dyke, obviously, Allison was one of the most um, mentioned aspects of like your success last year um so doing this with with your second choice um is is really impressive but they do still have a tough a tough schedule coming up and they did just obviously take that loss in the champions league so it's not all um all rosy-eyed lens here um just yet but it is definitely a good start um i'm surprised that there wasn't much rotation in the Champions League today. I thought 
Klopp really would have used this as an opportunity to play some of the other guys who haven't been seeing as many minutes in the Premier League, like Gomez, Lovren, um, Shakiri. Um, but the fact that he didn't rotate and pretty much left this starting squad but then didn't get the win either, I'm really interested to hear how you feel about that, Kevin. Yeah, I thought he would rotate a little bit and kind of maybe make three to four changes in the squad. Um, I wasn't surprised that Firmino ended up starting just because he was, I I mean, like, just because of the brilliance that he provided um, earlier this weekend. And I believe Origi was on the pitch um, during that game as well. So I just... I understand the logic just because um, last year in the group stages, Liverpool did struggle to get out of the group stages um, before they kind of went on that historic run um, to the Champions League final and winning it. But they did struggle in the group stages, and I think it was really imperative for Klopp to try to get off to a good good start, and it didn't end up happening at all. So maybe the plan backfired a little bit. And Chelsea, we have Chelsea this weekend, which is going to be a really tough game. Um, It seems like Chelsea's really found their scoring touch, especially with Tammy Abraham, um, Mason Mount. He might be an injury uh, doubt for this weekend just because of what happened yesterday during their Champions League matchup as well. So I'm a little bit concerned about this Chelsea game, but at the same time, Going into the game against Chelsea, I feel fairly confident just because uh, that Chelsea team defensively is kind of all out of whack, and they haven't really been able to figure things out defensively. Um, They've given up multiple goals in their last three games, uh, two goals to Norwich, two goals to Sheffield, and then two goals to Wolves. So it's not like they're strong defensively either. So I feel fairly confident going into this weekend um, but yeah, it was disappointing to not get the win, uh, today. Um, I feel like I, I guess, if it yeah, were, sorry. if it were me, I definitely would have, would have rested more of the key players, um, even though it was a strong opponent in Napoli and obviously their strongest team pretty much wasn't even enough at this, in this game. But my point is just being, I think after all the history of trying to win the premier league, um, and then getting so close this past couple seasons. Um, and winning the Champions League last year, I feel like Klopp has got to be 100% focused on getting the Premier League title and and not resting some of his key players with, with this tough Premier League schedule ahead, I think might have been a mistake. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of agree with that, and I, it was kind of funny that you actually said that in terms of the, the Champions League and basically this year being all gravy in the Champions League. Um, it re, Like, not to say that I don't care what happens in the Champions League, but this year the focus is the Premier League title. Um, Liverpool has never won it during this Premier League era. So it's I, I think it's imperative that they really focus on the Premier League um, and trying to capture uh, the league title is probably the most important goal for them um, throughout this season. So I was definitely a little surprised by that, but uh, what, there was another person that tried to talk smack about uh, <laughs> Liverpool losing today um, and or losing yesterday. 
And I was just like, well, they just won the Champions League. So I could care less what ends up happening. Um, as long as they keep winning in the league, I'll be completely fine with that. But like you guys said, Liverpool has multiple chances to fuck up later on in the future. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I am definitely um, not – I am definitely holding my breath and making sure that those things happen. So we'll see what ends up happening with that. Um, guys, why don't we move on, actually, and talk about some of the other Premier League teams. Um, we we didn't really touch upon Tottenham yet, Chelsea, or Arsenal. Um, Tottenham, what are your thoughts on them? Um, Son ends up coming back, scoring two goals, um, really getting inserted into the starting lineup and really showing his worth this past weekend against Crystal Palace. Um, I, I feel like they've kind of struggled a tiny bit to start the year, um, especially that loss to Newcastle um, following the Man City tie was kind of a huge letdown for them. And I, 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 I don't know like what your general thoughts are. It seems like Pochettino is kind of trying to figure out the right mix and balance of players uh, to play in the right lineup, especially trying to integrate some of the newer guys um, and uh, keep some of the old guys. It seems like Deli Ali is just sitting on the bench for them um, and not getting any playing time. He's kind of rolling with Musa Sissoko. So what are your thoughts on them and how their Premier League season has kind of played out so far? Well, I think that... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I was just gonna say I think that Son coming Son coming back is huge, obviously, starting the season with that suspension. Um, he just looks electric whenever he's on the field and I could watch him all day. Um, he's such a explosive player. Um, so I think they definitely missed him at the beginning of the season. And then there's also the uncertainty that was happening with Erickson, um, where he was he was also getting benched, um, wasn't starting. Um, kind of like you were mentioning with Deli Ali. And um, I just think the players are probably not feeling very cohesive as a squad right now with with those kind of players being in and out of the lineup. But it does seem like at any time they can hit their stride again because for the most part, they do still have that solid squad over the past few years that they've been finding success with. So I think they're still primed to, to have another successful campaign. My impression was that, um, like, wasn't Deli Ali injured for a little while? Yeah, he's definitely coming off of an injury. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely thought, like, they were kind of, like, easing him back in. He started in the Champions League game today. He didn't look so great. Um, and... Yeah, I don't. Definitely, there's there's something in the air, right? Like something's off about about the squad, but um, they're still very much a formidable team that went to uh, semifinals in the Champions League last year, uh, as well as finishing top four. So, um, yeah, I, I don't. Again, I, with like like with the report, I, I don't see any problems. Uh, 
it's still early in the season. People are going, you know, off the injury list, on the injury list. They got new players, which hasn't been done before. So they, it's not so much, I don't think, finding the right squad. It's just like learning to play healthy and, and with each other again, uh, just because I feel like that hasn't been done uh, this whole season so far. Yeah, and I thought one of the interesting points that Hedrin you brought up in terms of maybe squad depth and 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 that not necessarily being a problem. I kind of want to push back on that a little bit in terms of there. I think last year and the past couple of seasons there being this continuity with this Tottenham team in terms of you pretty much knew Harry Kane starting up top, and then the front or the three behind him would be. Um, Son, Deli Ali, Erickson, and then you kind of have like the the uh, two guys in the middle of the field uh, behind them in the four two three one. So like we pretty much knew like what the starting lineup would be and the attacking options would be creatively moving forward over the past couple of seasons. And now I think there's a lot of different players that. Pochettino is going to try to like experiment with and try to figure out how um, how to maybe incorporate these te- these players to keep these guys fresh throughout the long long season. And I think maybe they're kind of seeing some of the early, I would say, struggles of trying to do that. Like they brought in uh, and I I can't pronounce his name Endembele who. Yeah. Uh, who is like their big money signing this year and he hasn't really gotten going. I, I don't know if he's had an injury, but he's had three appearances through five games. Um, like Giovanni Lacelso, like Ryan Sessignon, who's that who's that left midfielder, really young guy from Fulham, hasn't gotten on the pitch at all. Um, so they have a lot of options moving forward. I just think uh, Pochettino is going to try to figure out which of these guys is the best combination, and maybe they, maybe as a result of that, there is a little bit um, of trying to rediscover or uh, find um, and build this chemistry up within the squad that they might have had because of the continuity that they built up over the past couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right. Um, but like, I like you know, hearing that. I like hearing that you, <laughs> you telling me that I'm right. So no, but but he's always gonna go back to the winning formula. Like none of the players left, right? So when it comes to a pinch, um, he he's gonna go back to, you know, Deli Ali, Erickson, Don, and, and Kane, uh, in the in, in the uh, like in the midfield and uh, forward. I just think he'll experiment experiment more when it comes to like the cuts or some of the stuff that it doesn't seem as important um like these guys have been playing with each other for a very long time now and it's gonna be very hard to like break that so i agree with you that Pochettino is trying to experiment but i don't think he's gonna be that off uh, when it comes to running a squad, maybe in like, uh, you know, in the coming weeks. Yeah, totally agree. Um, One so thing to... about oh, the 
is uh, I will say in terms of depth, um, since they didn't renew um, Llorente's contract and he left for Napoli, um, an injury to Harry Kane could be really detrimental to them right now because they don't really have a target man or a, a big forward who can come in. Um, obviously, Son or Mora can play up there, um, but there's no real like-for-like like replacement um, in that position anymore, so that's just something to keep an eye on, too. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree with that, but maybe some of their best play last year was with Son playing up top when Kane True. was out, so uh, who knows like what the best combination um, up top is maybe kind of um, and and we talked about this. And ter- uh, I remember distinctly talking about this last year with Hedjun specifically about the maybe the versatility that Son provided up top um, in comparison to Kane, um, and then maybe feeling like they have to force feed Kane up top in comparison to where um, with Son up top he was willing to make more runs. Not that Kane yeah. is a lazy runner or anything, but um that son was willing to make runs and players didn't feel i don't know i don't know if you guys ever felt like this on the pitch but where maybe a person that is a little bit better than you on the field you feel more compelled to give the ball to them um and in just just in terms of maybe feeling a little bit of pressure to be like maybe not make the right decision but just say all right i gave it to the best player and did my job and let him create things um and maybe that's kind of something the tottenham squad kind of goes through with harry kane being up top um and him being such a prolific scorer um i guess one of the things that i wanted to move on to um before we get to uh talking about chelsea uh liverpool um this coming weekend is talking about Arsenal and how they've struggled over the past three weeks. Now they've that loss to um, Liverpool really started off um, their struggles. They ended up having two wins against Newcastle and Burnley to start the season, but then they've lost to Liverpool three, one kind of not really ever in that game. And then tied Tottenham two two in the North on uh, Derby and then tied this weekend 2-2 to surprising Watford, who's uh, sitting at the bottom of the table right now in the league. So uh, what are your general thoughts on Arsenal? Like, I think my thoughts on them just in general are they really, like, that front three is devastating with Pepe, uh, Lacazette, who's now injured, and Aubameyang. Um, those three guys up top, um, are just terrifying and when when watching the Liverpool um Arsenal game I was extremely scared of Pepe who like has like this mix of speed um strength and just the technical skills to kind of go by guys and be creative with the ball but I'm just I I think in the back for them it's all it's going to be a worry like they got rid of Koscielny who's not there on their squad anymore and they're really trying to figure it out in the back uh david Luiz has looked pretty bad in the back for them um kind of what we've expected out of him um as a defender so it's not looking too positive defensively for them at all yeah i actually was watching that liverpool arsenal game with uh 
my buddy Sam, the Liverpool fan, and uh, watching Pepe, I remember telling him, wow, Liverpool is very lucky to be playing them right now um, because to me he just still looks like he's trying to settle into being this um, sort of big-name signing, this premier addition to a club the size of Arsenal with all their history and everything. Because as you said, Kevin, he's clearly got the ability and a lot to offer, but his finishing product and his final product and his decision-making still looks a little questionable, and I think that's just attributed to him getting settled in. Um, Because moving forward, I'm sure he's going to start capitalizing on these chances and, and assisting, you know, Obama Yang and, and getting goals himself and all that. Um, but yeah, the, the whole David Louise transfer it, is still kind of a head scratcher for me because so flexing. Yeah. He was clearly on a sort of downward trajectory. I think a lot of people would agree um, in terms of his career. I mean, he's had some really great moments over the years, but lately it's been more cons than pros. So that was a strange one. Um, and I think that they're, I think they're paying for it as we're seeing, um, because they are looking pretty thin at the back. Um, but I think Tierney and Bellerin are both on their way back so that might be a bit of a boost on the wings at least um but yeah they they sort of look like half of a squad right now um and i think they're gonna keep getting mixed results until until they get until they get some time to figure out where they're where they're really going to be heading yeah i mean i pretty much agree with both of you guys there. One interesting t- statistic that I read uh, this morning was uh, they allow like 94 shots uh, to defense, and that's like the most Gosh. in like Premier League history. <laughs> wow! So yeah, it's like it's like an insane amount of shots that they allowed, um, and for them to be like, they just can't do that. Like they they. Obviously, the problem is within the defense. Um, I said, like, Tottenham, like, Liverpool, like, Man U, like, it's no problem. But I think with Arsenal, there is a clear problem there, and they just need to work that out as soon as possible if they want to uh, stay in, like, top-level football. Uh, because it just looks like – doesn't look like a cohesive unit at the back. Um, and they maybe they just lack that – that central figure uh, that is willing to like set the line and like call out like who to get who. Um, yeah, there's, maybe they just need a like locker room figure in um, in the locker room just so that they can like really get out of this funk. But yeah, yeah, and I, I think yeah, yeah, and I think that's why it's so perplexing to me that Kachelny kind of was let go. Um, because he was that guy. I mean, he was thir- he is 34 and getting older, but he did provide maybe some of that locker room veteran presence that I think Arsenal desperately needs right now in the back. And I think that's why some of the the moves where maybe on paper and if you're playing FIFA, 
um, people would be like, oh, David Louise over Laurent Koscielny, that's a positive. But when when you're kind of actually playing football on the field, it kind it, it doesn't it doesn't always work out where the guy that had like a 95% or 95 on his shot or whatever from free kicks is going to like kind of translate into real football metrics at all. And it's kind of shown thus far this year uh, with David Bowie's struggling in the back. So the only thing I did want to kind of talk about now is Chelsea and what I would say the game of the week for this weekend, Chelsea Liverpool, um, and talk about your your guys' thoughts on that. But Chelsea, we got to talk about our, our U.S. Uh, comrade in Christian Pulisic and him has showing sparks on the fields, but not getting consistent playing time with Frank Lampard, and maybe that being a concern for pop, for U.S. fans in, uh, going forward in in the future. Yeah, I was well, surprised to see him. Uh left out of the lineup against Wolves. Uh, I mean, left out of the starting lineup against Wolves. He was on the bench and didn't sub on, if I remember correctly. He didn't even make an appearance, Um, which is strange because I thought he was definitely going to be part of the plan starting every week. Um, But I guess with, with the different talent that Lampard's been playing with, he has the ability to switch it around. Um, Obviously, Pedro and Willian could both sort of be rotating with Pulisic. Um, and so if they're both back fully fit, then it's going to be a selection um, week to week, it could be, I guess. Um, the, the main standouts, though, obviously, have been Tammy Abraham, like you mentioned, Mason Mount. Um, Abraham with the four-goal thriller, <laughs> one, <laughs> yeah. one technically, you know, given to him for the own goal. But... Um, he has just been on fire. I think I saw somewhere that he's only the the third player to score this many goals in his first five Premier League appearances with the club or something, or the first four, first five Premier League appearances of, of the season. Um, so he has just been really exciting to watch and all different kinds of goals. And um, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep anywhere close to this pace up. Um because I think I also saw that he's now only three and four goals respectively behind um, Rashford and Martial's season-long totals from last year, their their best, but something ridiculous. So um, if, if he keeps it up, he's definitely going to be looking for that golden boot, I think, in the, in the race at least. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of uh, Drogba a little bit. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Chelsea found found their um their key player. And he really didn't look great uh in the first game against against Man U. But it seems like after that and especially like fuel, like fueling channeling that energy of being left out in the England squad, uh, you know, the past couple of weeks, uh, really like just kinda like that really fueled the fire for him. Uh, and he's like really showing them the pitch instead of like taking it to like social media, uh, which I think is is great. Um, some players don't take that too well, uh, but yeah, I, I, I would be surprised if he were left out of in the England squad in the next international call up because I mean, 
sure, you got Kane, you got Rashford, but, like, you have to play him now because he he looks great. Like, I, I'm jealous of uh, Chelsea because we, we don't have that kind of uh, player in our squad right now. Yeah, and I think overall for Chelsea, like, and and for my thoughts, and maybe not talking so specifically about uh, certain players, but maybe taking the 20,000-foot view, is that, you know, going into the year, a lot of people were down on Chelsea because of all the young players that they had. And you kind of see that, especially in Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount, kind of demonstrating and showing putting these guys in situations and young guys at that in situations for them to succeed and have the opportunity to take advantage of um, basically what they've been given um, by Chelsea because of the ban that they have from, from their transfer windows is that maybe it's like a blessing in disguise and this could be built the building building of a foundation for years to come as maybe this is kind of like a Renaissance era of, um, of Chelsea. And I hope to God it isn't, but it's kind of one of those things where looking back in, in three to four years or so, two to three to four years. And if they're winning champions leagues or competing for champions league and competing for league titles, they'll kind of look back to this season and say that was the pivotal moment in terms of um, being able to give guys at the club chances um, regardless of their age and knowing that even if they're just talented football players, we're going to give them chances um, no matter how old they are. So I think that could kind of be maybe one of those um, overarching themes throughout the year and for years to come for Chelsea to kind of look at and say, hey, we'll give these young guys chances. I think also a big question mark around them is going to be with their history of the way they've um, treated their managers for the past (laughs) 10 years. It'll be very interesting to see how long Frank Lampard is in this job um, because they're historically just so impatient with the results from their ownership that they'll just ax somebody whenever they feel like it. Um, This time, having a club legend, um, I think it should make them think about that a little bit longer. but it's also tough because of his lack of experience. So I think that's going to be a really interesting one to see how long his tenure is here um, and how they deal with maybe a prolonged period of adversity or something or bad results. That would be really interesting for me um, to see how that checks out. I feel like they have to keep him a little bit longer than than a couple of years because, one, Chelsea has that, um, like, ban, right? They can't acquire any players. They just lost their key player to Real Madrid, Hazard. Um, I feel like everyone is going to be patient with Lampard, uh, knowing that you know he's a respected. He was a respected player in the Chelsea squad. He's a legend. Um, Willian actually, like I heard, he like sent like a letter to the board, uh, saying that like you know be patient with Lampard because like. You know, we, he's like the person that we need right now. So 
Yeah, I, I think Lampard will keep his job for a little longer than six months, I would say. <laughs> That's, I mean, <laughs> I would hoping, hope so. Yeah, right? I would hope so, too. I always um, argue against that strategy that they have. So but we'll see if they actually, if they can actually, you know, keep him for that long. <laughs> right. And he signed a three-year contract with them. Um, it, it would probably be like a miracle, like Jesus walking on water, if he sees the end of that contract. Um, and if he does, it's probably because he's performed and delivered earlier than expected. Um, but I, I do tend to agree with Tyler in terms of him being a club legend. And I think we're in all all in agreement in terms of him getting having a little bit more equity um, with the team and giving maybe him more chances than um, someone like Maurizio Sarri uh, got last year. So I think that'll be a little bit different, especially with the younger squad as well. Um, the one, I guess before we kind of talk about our fantasy teams, um, the two surprising teams to me that are at the bottom of the table right now, who I think a lot of people expected to be in the middle of the table um, are, are Wolves and Watford. And maybe that those are two teams to keep an eye on. And we know it's early on in the season. Watford's already made um, like a manager switch. And that's kind of, and, you know, speaking of like early switches and managers, like that's kind of like pretty quick to happen in the span of three, four games or so. Um, so it's, those two teams are kind of teams that I'm looking out for because, Whenever a team starts off bad in the Premier League, it tends to just stick with them throughout the season. And it doesn't, like, it usually doesn't get better quickly at all. And there's usually, like, some type of structural issue within the squad or some type of infighting in the squad. And a lot deeper issues than maybe the talent would kind of display out there. So, and and I think a lot of there are a lot of expectations, especially with Wolves and Watford, um, kind of having pretty strong seasons last year, and now them kind of being at the bottom, it's fairly surprising. Yeah, it seems like it's sort of a cycle that we see. Um, some teams that come to mind are like Burnley, Southampton, even mm-hmm. have had really strong seasons where they finished like sixth or seventh. Um, and then they fighting relegation the very next season. Um, similarly to my surprise with Norwich, I would not have probably believed you if you would have told me that Wolves would not have won a game yet um, after the first five uh, games this year, just because of how impressive they were last year. Um, and I wish I was able to break that down a little bit because a lot of reasons you hear are, oh, they're in Europa League, so it's like tough to manage the extra game load without that depth. But, I mean, they haven't even played their first game They yet. haven't started. They haven't right. started no. yet. And, and it's not like they lost a bunch of key players to to bigger teams or anything. Um, so I don't know if it's other teams figuring them out, uh, which definitely could factor in. If it's the players maybe getting a little complacent, um, maybe the honeymoon period is over. It, it could be a couple of different things, but it, it's definitely surprising to me. Yeah, 
I mean, <laughs> I don't have much to add to that. Uh, it is a Premier League after all, and we've seen like there are always surprises in the Premier League, and that's what's exciting about this particular league, as opposed to you know some of the other leagues like Bundesliga or, or La Liga or even Serie A, is that like anything can happen. Um, so I'm not too surprised there. Like maybe, maybe they would. Like I'm sure they'll be out of the relegation zone, but uh, maybe they won't be able to reproduce what they had last year. Yeah, and we'll probably talk about this during the next international break if they're somewhere near or in the in the relegation zone. Um, granted, Wolves has had a fairly tough schedule to start the year. They versed Leicester, Man U. Burnley, Everton, and then Chelsea. So it's not like they're playing bottom feeder teams, whereas Watford was playing Brighton, Hove Albion, then Everton, then West Ham, then Newcastle, then Arsenal. So I'd be a little bit more concerned if I was a Watford fan, but it's it, it definitely is still concerning um, to kind of see the struggles of two teams that I think a lot of people would have would have thought mid-table, maybe even challenging for top top six to eight uh, spots in the league to kind of see them at the bottom of the league so far. It's definitely a surprise uh, thus far this season. So, guys, let's get into the get into what people really want to hear. Um, all our competitors <laughs> d- during the fantasy football um, season, um, and I'm talking about the real fantasy football here, is that all of the excitement that we've kind of, and, you know, we're pretty much like the three founding members of the Fantasy Premier League <laughs> and introducing it to a lot of our friends. We are, yeah. Yeah, uh, playing this way back in, in college now. I think it was like our sophomore year or so, junior year maybe, we started playing um, the Premier League. Uh, fantasy Premier League and kind of us three competing against each other for a while and now it's up to like I don't know how many people are in our league now I would say like 15 16 it got up to like 20 I thought last year yeah we actually cut that down a little bit and this is our sixth year in a row doing it Yeah. yeah so it's really exciting to kind of like yeah so that brings us back to like junior year or so so it's really exciting to kind of you know, continue on the tradition. But let's get into kind of some of the more specifics. Tyler, I want to talk to you first. You, I don't know if this is a panic move so far, but you already used your wild card, first (laughs) wild card so far this year. Yes, I did. Um, You are sitting pretty, though, um, towards the top of the table in our league. I believe you're in third place. Um, Uh, Yes. Just for everyone at home, uh, I'm in third, Kevin is in sixth, and Hajun is close behind in seventh. But um, it's all tight. Points, it's very tight. The points difference are only literally like Three nine points. points between all of us. Um, so it's all very tight up there. Exactly. So it's it's not like me being in sixth. I'm looking at the, the league standings right now. Me being in sixth, Hedgen being in seventh, um, really is that material of the difference. But what was, Tyler, give me your thoughts on what was what was your thinking of going into 
making a wild card switch and um, maybe kind of shout out a couple of different players that have really um, surprised you this year. We mentioned Timu Puki, but there's all, also other guys that I think really kind of help inform us on different players and different teams. Like I, I wouldn't have known to have picked up someone like John Lundstrom from uh, from uh, yeah. Sheffield United. Um, so you kind of get to know uh, the Premier League. And this is how I think we got became a lot more well-informed about the Premier League in general. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is like one of my favorite hobbies of all time now. So um, to answer your question, I don't think it was a panic wild card move. I think it was calculated because I spent the entire – week leading up to it thinking about it before I even used it so I actually was thinking about it made a regular transfer and then I guess it was the game week four I actually pulled the trigger and planned it out um and the reason I did that is because I basically obviously before the season starts nobody knows who's going to do well everybody has all different ideas and if you're like me, you've got like three different teams in your head pretty much of combinations you come up with. And um, I always struggle to try to figure out which one would be the best to choose. And I feel like it was already clear based on how some players were performing, some early value picks, um, that I I could see a vision of a, of a squad that I could keep for like 10 weeks or so and be happy with. So I just wanted to pull the trigger and use the wild card to build that kind of squad. Um, and, yeah, some of the early values, like you mentioned, Lundstrom, um, Cantwell for Norwich. I mean, these are two guys i would never heard of in my life. Um, and now they're basically starting in my team um, and, and still doing well. Um, the, the other thing that I focused on that this was a bit of a gamble was I was initially looking at trying to get three city attackers in, but then I realized that, that would be a little too ridiculous. Um, but they just have such a good run of fixtures um, over the next, like, 10 weeks, and they they looked, you know, like they were just firing on all cylinders and back to normal and um, hitting the ground running. Um, but instead, I only kept Sterling and De Bruyne. Um, and I think although they had that crazy result um, against Norwich, I think I'm still feeling good about that. Um, and and really having all that money tied up in my midfield with the premium players and picking and choosing a few other premium defenders and then going a little bit cheaper at the front, which is a lot different than previous year's strategies. You know, that was my strategy, like, my very first year, and I won that time. <laughs> Remember that? So you're saying I might be on to something. Yeah, no, you were the first champion and haven't been back up top sense. Yeah, maybe. yeah, I'll be back. <laughs> I don't think I've met, I don't think I've ever been there. So like there's there's times where we can change. So um but I think uh Tyler you kind of brought up a really interesting uh point and maybe this kind of gets to my next question for both of you guys in terms of looking at fantasy and I think last year the big thing was you needed to pretty much have two Liverpool defenders um, because – or even like one premier uh, Liverpool defender, at least one of, I think, Trent Alexander-Arnold or Robertson on the field last year just because 
um, to take advantage of their assist potential and the clean sheet potential that Liverpool uh, really had last year. And we've kind of seen throughout the Premier League season to start off so far, there's been a lack of clean sheets from the top traditional top six powers. And it's been really hard to pin down consistent points uh, from those defenders. So what is what are your guys' strategies kind of going from year to year um, trying to adjust to those scenarios? I saw a lot on the on the fantasy Premier League subreddit before the season started that people were saying, without question, you need to have two Liverpool defenders. And my game historically, I've always tried to avoid having two defenders from the same team, even if they are really performing well. Um, I just like the, the philosophy of spreading it out more um, to, to have sort of a more diverse portfolio, so to speak, um, instead of having all your eggs in one basket and then one goal against them and you've lost two chances at a clean sheet. Um, uh, so I like the strategy of, of spreading it out on the defense at least. What do you think, Hedrin? Uh, that was my take too. Uh, I never have two defenders from the same team ever. Um, and that, that's because, right, like there's just too much risk involved. Um, I would rather have my defenders keep a clean sheet rather than, you know, provide assists or like score a goal because it's not as easy to come by, right? And I, I would love for my defenders to just have that six points maybe plus like a bonus point or two um, for that stability. Um, and like, I mean, the, the league is very much different from when we first started, but I feel like I'm still going to stick by that. And that's why I still have some of the center backs um, because I don't really care about like assists. Uh, and, yeah, you know, one yeah. thing that, makes me really uncomfortable about my own team right now is something that's very different um, from what I've always done is not having a premium striker. And so what I mean by that is like Kane, Aguero, Aubameyang, you know, Lukaku when he was here. Um, this is the first time, in, in, at least in my memory, that I've intentionally made a plan to like not go with one for a period of time. And I just feel like that could so easily like bite me in the ass because like it'll it'll just take one hat trick from them, and if a lot of people have them, then it, I look like an idiot. But um, I really think that the way that things are panning out, this just seems like the way to go for now. So that's kind of my one move that's different from the way I, I typically have played. Yeah, so, like, I, I don't know. It's just, like, an interesting way um, to kind of hear how people are strategizing and thinking about their fantasy Premier League teams just because there's so many different ways to play it. And I think last year you kind of saw the success of four defenders or even five defenders in the back when typically most people would go with, like, a 3-4-3 type of system or 3-5-2 type of system. Um, to focus on points that way. So it's just really interesting to hear people's strategies. You know, you guys are getting advice on 
diversification of risk, things like that, <laughs> having different assets. We could talk about stocks next. So it's kind of like, you know, this is this this advice is applicable to all scenarios of life. So basically I feel like you're getting all the good stuff here um in terms of advice. Guys, now I wanted to transition to um the Champions League, which ended up starting today or yesterday, I believe. Uh, my t- my team, Liverpool, ended up having a tough loss against Napoli. Virgil van Dijk looked like a mess. Like, he, I mean, he had that one terrible back pass um, as the game was winding down. The penalty call, uh, I thought it was a soft call, but, I, I mean, there's people that were saying that it was fairly clear that uh, Robertson kind of stuck his foot out. But I thought it was a fairly soft call kind of watching the, the highlights and the replays. Um, but, I mean, like I was saying before, it's all gravy from here on out with the Champions League since Liverpool won it. So, um, <laughs> until they don't qualify, like, I'm, I, w- I would get worried if they didn't qualify coming out of, the, out of their group. Um, but I'm not too nervous right now. Um, if they lose games to to teams that they're expected to win, like the the away uh, setup or the away game to Napoli was probably their best or their hardest game. Um, so I'm not too concerned by the loss. Uh, they have Red Bull, who looked extremely good. Give a shout out, Hedjun, to our guy, our Korean guy, Hwang Yi Chan who ended up scoring a goal for Red Bull. So um, until Liverpool loses to Red Bull or Gank, like I'm not going to be too worried about how they look going forward. Um, Yeah, Jesse Jesse Marsh, who was the the Red Bulls coach um, for New York Red Bulls, is now the head coach at Red Bull um, Salzburg. So that'll be really interesting to see um, how they perform against Liverpool. And as he – as maybe he makes his jump into upper echelon uh, football. And I I think Solskjaer even kind of praised one of the Red Bull um, um, guys um, that he ended up coaching at Molde, uh, Erling Brock Holland, who's kind of on this like ridiculous uh, goal scoring pace of scoring I think it, I believe it was 17 goals in nine appearances which is oh a ridiculous yeah which is a ridiculous scoring pace so he scored 17 in the past nine appearances so that's a kid to watch out for he's only that's 19 insane. 19 I believe that's some FIFA numbers that me and Tyler pulled off with Tyler uh <laughs> with Tyler Wu right um with uh Juan Agadello or Harvard uh, Nielsen. Right. So it's like one of those kind of things that in situations um, he's someone to watch out for as a possible transfer later on down the road. But what were some of the initial surprises coming out? And I think there's this one big one that we could kind of talk about. But what were some of the surprises looking at some of the results um, over the past two days and the first matches for each of these Champions League teams? Well, today's big one I think you're alluding to is the PSG Madrid result. Um, is that the one you were talking about? Yep. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, incredible. That was crazy. With without Cavani, Neymar, Mbappe, to just shut them to just shut them out three 0 is pretty impressive. Um, Hazard's first start after having that injury when he transferred over there. Um, I expected it to be a closer game, I guess, um, with with neither team having uh, that big of an advantage on the scoreline. But um, Paris came to play, and it was it was a pretty fun game to watch, actually. Well, you might. <laughs> Who knows what might happen in the second? Uh, no, I, I guess it's not. Well, uh, PSG like looked really great. Um, yeah, I mean, they look like uh, when 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 we played them the first like last year, right? Like they just yeah. kind of like killed us. Uh, they look more or less the same. Like Di Maria just really on form. I wish he hadn't left uh, this yeah. time, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, Hazard, he looked a little sluggish, but that's kind of to be expected coming off from an injury. Um, and just kind of getting used to the new team. Um, and I think it was the right move to be subbed off in the 60th minute. But Real Madrid just doesn't look like the same team. Like, as soon as they lost that that um, uh, game to Ajax last year, it just haven't yeah. been the same. It just seems like they're just kind of like a shell of their former self. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they never really bounced back this year just because they just don't seem to have it anymore. Like, nobody's scared of them. It's yeah. Weird. And they're missing Ramos, too. Oh, that's um, right, yeah. So that didn't help their cause. But other than that, I mean... A hell of a team <laughs> on paper, you know. I mean, so, Navas, I Navas might be ha- like might be happy with the result, the way that yeah. Real Madrid treated him. Um, but yeah, and I I just think it was like a really surprising, just like the score line was kind of shocking, just to see that happen, especially with the guys that were missing. Uh, Neymar didn't even play, and Mbappe was out. So like those two key. Uh, and Cavani, you could throw Cavani in there too. So like those three guys being missing for them and them still beating Real 3-0 um, was fairly surprising. And um, there, I mean, there's like a lot of other games that we kind of go through really quickly. Tottenham ends up tying Olympiacos. I think that was a surprise um, as well. You talk about um, Man City getting back up there, winning 3-0 against Shakhtar. Uh, Juventus Atletico played a really exciting game with Atletico being down 2-0 and them coming back to tie it 2-2. Um, and then Barcelona Dortmund, they ended up tying uh, and then Chelsea losing to Valencia, um, which was kind of interesting to see as well, just because I think um, a lot of people would expect an English Premier League team like Chelsea to kind of get it rolling. And Valencia is not the, one of the top La Liga teams, but or like the outside of the top three of Atletico, um, Real, and Barcelona. But they really were able to show what they had. And, you know, 
just another shout out to another Korean guy, Lee Kangin, end up ended up making uh, the bench uh, for that Champions League matchup. So that was really exciting as well. So there's a lot of really cool and interesting storylines that are going on. And I'm just so excited that the Champions League um, season has started as well. Um, and I guess, like, I'm looking forward to some of the matchups. Like, Barcelona against Dortmund, that matchup was, although it was a tie, like, you had a lot of guys missing uh, for Barcelona. Messi, who's been out with an injury, um, didn't even play. And then there was this the young 16-year-old Ansu Fati, who, oh, yeah. who's, like, which is kind of ridiculous that he's 16 and he's starting consistently on Barcelona, just mind boggling to me um, that he's even playing um, and is actually competent on the field. And it's, it's unbelievable that some of these kids are 16, 17, 18 years old and playing in European competitions. Yeah. One other result, I got to shout out Slavia Prague, man. They're, uh, the the famous clip of their um, executive just like cracking up when they got announced and the the draw of their group was Inter Barca and Dortmund and look at them they're technically sitting on top of the group right now <laughs> yeah so and and they gave up a late goal in like the ninety second minute I yeah, believe so like they I could have had a win there yeah. yeah so that that was definitely another surprise as well. Uh, the uh, honorary uh, Czech um, honorary Czech citizen in Tyler Fern being able to be proud of Slavia Praha. So that's, that's definitely oh, yeah. one of those guys um, that I'll be looking out for. Uh, Hedrin, was, was there any other game that kind of caught your eye and maybe uh, a storyline that you wanted to want to monitor throughout this European season? Well, so I didn't get a chance to watch, uh, the first day just because I was busy with work but uh, today I was able to catch some of the games and I mean Tottenham I want to say the culprit was Ericsson he just looked really off form like he had a lot of pass misses his completion rate was like less than 70% which is shocking for a player of his caliber Um, but Olympic Olympiacos, like, I got to give it to them. Like, they play their heart out. They just look like the better team, except for, like, the like the latter half of first half. And I don't know. They're just able to, like, get it back and not lose hope and not, like, uh, yeah, it, it was just a really exciting game for me, uh, more so than Real Madrid versus PSG. So, I'm really looking forward to how far they're going to make it. Uh, it just seems like they can do it. Uh, so I'll be watching them uh, throughout. Yeah, and I guess, like, the one one other guy that I wanted to shout out to, and we I made two shout-outs to, Korean, to Koreans that uh, kind of contributed in their playing in the Champions League. But the one sole American, if you guys know who it is playing in the Champions League, um so far um can you give it a guess and it's not christian pulisic uh I'm trying to think i'm not sure 
Pedro, yeah, do you have a guess? I don't know. I don't know. He's playing right back for Ajax, Serginho Dest, who's the U. Uh, I think he's 18 or 19 years old. Jeez. Uh, starting right back for Ajax um, in their Champions League win over Lille. Um, he's possibly a U.S. Um, uh, slotting in at that right back position taking over for DeAndre Yedlin. He ended up getting called up during the international break uh, for the U.S. squad. He has ties to, I believe, Holland as well, or the Netherlands. So he has a huge decision to make whether or not he's going to be uh, playing for for the Netherlands or for the U.S. Um, in his international future. But that's a, one prospect to keep your eye on because he's been getting consistent time at Ajax for a team that made the Champions League semifinal in that heartbreaking loss last year um, to Tottenham. So that's one guy to keep an eye out on um, as he can possibly uh, really cement his place at Ajax and hopefully he decides to commit to the U.S. national team. All right. Yep. So guys, thanks again for coming on to the pod. Like we've kind of went all over the place, talk about football all over the world, but it, that's why football is so great because it's such an international game. Um, can't believe like all the stuff that's happening in world football. And I'm just so excited that the Champions League is now off and running. Sad that Liverpool lost, but they'll get it back. Uh, focused on the game against Chelsea this weekend. And hopefully, I believe Menu's playing West Ham this weekend, correct? Yep, and Europa League game tomorrow. <laughs> right, so they got a Europa, Europa League game tomorrow. Always tough on those Thursday nights and then having to play um, on the weekend as well. So uh, just one one last day of recovery for, uh, Man U, for, for a Man U team that definitely needs the rest. Uh, I wonder how many uh, Mason Greenwoods and Tahith Chongs are going to be playing tomorrow. So uh, it'll be really interesting to to see how Man U ends up performing this weekend against West Ham, as well as their Europa League match. But thanks, guys, for coming back on. Great to get the, uh, get the squad back together to talk football. Um, and it's always exciting to kind of catch up uh, here hear your guys' conflicting thoughts on Man U. Actually, you guys were on the same page today. So uh, that, that yeah. was kind of – Change that of was kind pace. Of, exactly, a change up, change of pace uh, to hear similar thoughts from both of you guys. So um, maybe I'm hoping for a little bit more turmoil so you guys can <laughs> kind of battle about something. So thanks, guys, again for coming on. And if you guys haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to the podcast and like the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, wherever you guys listen to the pod. And be on the lookout for weekly uh, uh, English Premier League updates and also updates on the NFL season um, with my brother and the NBA season is going to be starting. So I'll have uh, my guest Andrew Mondi back on as we end up doing our wins pool um, and kind of doing that as we prepare for the NBA season. So thanks again, guys, for your coming on and thanks for listening uh, to the podcast. I hope you hear this